This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered his military command to put nuclear deterrence forces on high alert in response to what he called aggressive statements by NATO countries. Let's speak with the Australian Strategic Policy Institute's Malcolm Davis. Malcolm, thanks very much for joining me. First off, what do you make of Putin's waving of the nuclear card? What is the significance of this nuclear alert? Look, I think uh, it's a very serious move. It's very unwise because it escalates the crisis needlessly. It sends a dangerous message to the West, particularly to the United States, following Putin's implicit threat a few days ago that any NATO intervention would see a response by Russia that was uh, un, uh, envisaged in historical times. I mean, that is implicitly uh, a nuclear threat. So for him to now go ahead and put his nuclear forces on alert, I think, sends all the wrong signals and makes people extremely nervous. Now, the US condemned the order and said Putin was manufacturing threats that don't exist in order to justify further aggression. Your thoughts? Could President Biden have gone on high alert as well in response to that? I think that uh, the Americans will try to avoid a tit-for-tat response because if they do that, then the Russians have to respond to the US action. And suddenly you end up in an escalatory cycle that does lead to a nuclear exchange. Uh, So the Americans are gonna play things very calm and collected. They will watch very closely what the Russian nuclear forces do. And if they see indicators and warnings of uh, a Russian intention to actually use nuclear weapons, then I think they'll move very quickly to put their forces on alert, but they don't want to preempt that if they can avoid it. What is the best outcome for Ukraine, given the current situation, you think? Look, it's not good. I mean, the Ukrainian military are holding their own. They're they're giving the Russians a a beating in the sense that the Russians are taking heavy losses. They haven't achieved any of their goals. Their logistics are uh, crumbling. Uh, You've got armoured fighting vehicles running out of fuel on the roads. Uh, So the Russians are having a hard time of it. But at the same time, Uh, the Russians are now committing their second and third echelon forces. And so it's quite likely that you will see a dramatic escalation in the fighting in the coming 24 to 48 hours. And this may be behind the nuclear threat. Uh, Essentially, Putin has put his nuclear forces into play as a warning to the West that essentially no matter what you see happen in Ukraine at the conventional level, uh, do not get involved because we have nuclear weapons. And I worry that what the Russians are going to do is dramatically escalate at the conventional level, including the use, the wide-scale use of thermobaric weapons against cities. Now, just one more question before we let you go. How will Germany move its weapons to Ukraine? Oh, look, there'll be a route that will be established um, probably through Poland. Um, but I think it's, it's a very good move that Germany has finally come to the party in terms of supporting the ban on Russian access to SWIFT and also uh, establishing a weapon supply to Ukraine. And also, I think most importantly, uh, stepping up to the expectations of funding their own defence forces. Because no matter how this conflict ends out, with the exception of maybe global thermonuclear war, um, Europe is going to be in a much more dangerous security situation for decades to hence. And I think everyone understands that we've entered a new era of dangerous competition with Moscow uh, that everyone in Europe has to prepare for. Thank you very much for that, for your insights. That was Dr. Malcolm Davis from the Australian Strategic Policy Institute.
Well, yesterday, European Commission, France, Germany, Italy, Britain, Canada and the US announced new sanctions on Russia. They include blocking some Russian banks from the SWIFT international payments system. This has resulted in investors anticipating a run on the Russian ruble as people try to change their money for dollars and other denominations. The financial measures are expected to cripple Russia's economy. As developments in Ukraine unfold, videos and images are going viral online on the crisis. We have Straits Times mobile editor Jeremy Aoyang to share his perspectives. Jeremy, how is the crisis playing out online? Hi, Eileen. Well, I think with, with any modern conflict, uh, we expect the internet to play sort of two different roles uh, when it comes to war like this, to a situation like this. The first one is quite direct uh, in terms of a cyber war where state-sponsored hackers from perhaps both sides are directly engaged in an attempt to hack or disable the internet-linked infrastructure for both countries. That's the first thing, a quite direct cyber war. The second part is really a, a information battle. So that's where these clips end and uh, images or reports come up, come into play. And I think at this stage of the conflict, uh, and uh, the disclaimer here is, I mean, this is a really fast-moving situation. Uh, my sense is that this second part, the information war part, is more prominent online than the really the, the real cyber war, the direct hacking of each other. Uh, that's not to say that that's not going to happen. That's something we're all watching very closely. But at the moment, that information part is... Uh, is what is prominent right now. Um, this information part, as I've seen it, is playing broadly in two, two areas. The first one is uh, something they'll call open source intelligence or OSINT, and the other one is what you referred to in your preamble, which is really these viral videos. So uh, OSINT, open source intelligence, really is a group of, they're not even affiliated, just internet sleuths just out there using uh, photos or data that is public ava publicly available to try and gather really mil military intelligence in the days leading up to the Russian invasion and the early days of the invasion itself, this manifested itself in terms of where are the Russian troops, where are they amassing around the border and where are they coming from uh, or, and how fast is the invasion. So all this is, they will look at photos online, they will look at satellite videos, and then they try and piece that together. This is what uh, OSINT looked like in the early days. I think at this point, the, that uh, those internet sleuths have pivoted a little bit. Uh, what they're doing now largely is more focused on debunking misinformation uh, and documenting like civilian, civilian casualties, which is not always easy for, for that to be broad-based, but this decentralized, almost decentralized way of doing it is uh, what we're seeing right now. And this, this second part, this documenting of civilian casu casualties is where we see now a lot of overlap with these viral clips and memes that are, that are making their rounds online. So, in terms of viral clips, there have been quite a number that we've seen of late. Uh, uh, several that have been shared widely online. One includes a missile hitting an apartment building in Kiev. I believe it's Kiev or somewhere in Ukraine. Uh, there's also lots of videos of the Ukrainian president, uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, we're seeing all this online and they're breaking through sometimes uh, beyond 
the news bubble. They're reaching a broader audience. These, some of these videos are difficult to verify, but they are very compelling and that's what reaches a broader audience. Uh, not everyone, uh, not everyone in the public is always going to news websites, uh, reading the live blogs, reading the news stories, uh, or watching videos. I think Reuters had last week a live stream of Maidan Square. Uh, some people get this information incidentally from their friends and families sharing that information. And these are where these viral clips come in. And I think the point, I mean, the broad point of all this really is a battle online for the hearts and minds of the soldiers, of just the general public. Because uh, especially if you're winning, you want that information to go out to the people in the ground. Because if you are losing and there's, there's a lot of news out there and that shows either your, your positions getting battered or your soldiers surrendering, that tends to be quite demoralizing for troops online. So you want to, you want to win that. that. Winning that war for hearts and minds online is as important sometimes as you know, the actual war that's taking place. Um, in terms of that, I think at the moment, uh, this battle is being edged by Ukraine, especially on the English-speaking internet. Uh, I'm, there are certainly parts of the internet where the pro-Russia position is more prominent. But uh, Lin, I expect in the coming days, this battle online to intensify just as the offline battle does. Jeremy, thank you very much for your perspectives. Straits Times mobile editor Jeremy Aoyoung there. And you can follow the latest developments and reactions on the Ukraine crisis at straightstimes.com. And remember to subscribe to us so you won't miss any of our breaking news updates. Do activate the bell icon on YouTube and you will be notified the next time we go live. I'm Lin Li Fu. Thanks for watching. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.